kinds of symbology. What is at stake? It is a big idea. A new world order where diverse nations are drawn together in common cause to achieve the universal aspirations of mankind. My question to you is, in any of your government jobs, have you ever been briefed on the subject of UFOs? And if you have, when was it? What were you told? Well, if I had been briefed on that, I'm sure it was probably classified and I couldn't talk about it. I got out in 1989, we had cataloged 57 different species. We walked over to one side of the lab and he said, by the way, we've discovered a base. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Yummy. All right, greetings and salutations to all our fellow sky watchers listening on every corner of every road, on every single block on this globe, maybe flat earth, maybe hollow earth, wherever we are listening tonight. Thank you for being here with us. And you guys over there intergalactically on another planet, another space and time, thank you for joining us. Also, I know it's a, it's a long feed from here to there, but we're streaming live everywhere, worldwide, intergalactically. This is Skywatchers Radio. Thank you all for joining us, broadcasting live from New Logic Studios down in Miami, Florida. This is, of course, June 1st, 2016. And joining me, as always, is the usual Rat Pack, as I like to call them, the one and the only... Tres Leche, a.k.a. the other guy. How you doing, buddy? Uh, I'm feeling a little bit sneezy today. Uh, just a little bit on the cold side. You know, it's just been one of those decades. Uh, <laughs> but I am having a wonderful day because I'm on the phone with you guys. Yay! Or actually on the Skype with you guys. Yay! Well, this is the it. phone of the future, my friend. Skype is the phone of the future. Okay. That's right. And joining me in Tres Leche, as usual, is the first lady of Skywatchers Radio, the one and the only Crystal Storm. How are you doing? Woo, 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 woo. I'm good. I'm good. How are you, Big Pookie? Well, I was uh, having a pretty good day today thinking of ways to annoy the other guy over here on the show. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I've come up with a good a couple of things that I'm going to do later on, which are probably going to annoy him a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's, it's stuff to be excited about. Okay. okay. It really is. is. It is. It is. And, of course, bringing in the rear, but only figuratively, not really... Literally, the one and only Chris Brown, the newsman, and of course, our favorite here on the show. Chris, welcome, buddy. Ouch! God, I don't know what like happened. Something there. got me in me, got me from you okay, behind. You said that. Whoa, whoa, uh, yeah. <laughs> whoa, right. having flashbacks of prison. That's What's going good. on over here? Yeah. <laughs> no. That's what. That's what. That's what happened when I watched the, the movie like, yesterday. I watched the movie Get Hard, by the way. Which oh was, my god, <laughs> that was, I was really surprised. See, on that's that. the one thing you don't want to hear when somebody says, yeah. "Coming up the rear." Get hard. Interesting movie. It just got real <laughs> on Skywatchers yeah. Radio, yo. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Especially after the classy show that led into this show. Uh, apologies to everybody listening who is now like turned off the show because. Just oh my stick God, with us, guys! Just stick with us. The show is the bomb. Just stick with it. You like it. You like we, it. of course, tonight uh, we had the debut of Martin Willis's uh, podcast UFO right here on PSN Radio. Applause to <laughs> Mr. Willis for having an awesome oh, show. Yeah. That's right, great show. Go boy. All right. 
It's always good to have good talent like him on the uh, network here on PSN Radio. So that's a lot of fun. Now, tonight we're going to have a lot of fun also with a guest that um, is going to talk about some creepy stuff. Uh, just like um, a lot of our guests recently have been talking about some creepy, weird Let's stuff. Go. Tell us a little bit about this uh, guest, Stacy Horn, Crystal. Stacy Horn uh, wrote a book, which is why I wanted to talk to her, and her book is called Unbelievable Investigations into Ghosts, Poltergeists, Telepathy, and Other Unseen Phenomenon from the Duke Parapsychology Laboratory. I don't know how they ran these experiments wow. at Duke. I'm really curious, so I can't wait to talk to her about it. Oh, that uh, should be yeah. exciting. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. So she will be on with us in the second hour. Yes, indeed. In the first hour, we have a lot to go over. We got some news, I'm sure. Some maybe some videos. Uh, yes, video. Perhaps maybe a little, um, a little segment with uh, one Miss Nancy Burns. Oh my God! Are we gonna have the Nancy Burns experience? My body is ready. Mm, maybe, maybe, maybe. Oh, oh, holding it in the wings. We might have Nancy Burns drop by in a little bit. Uh, but before we get to uh, Nancy Burns, I want to get give out the phone number so anybody who's listening wants to join us. You know, any any part of the show here, if you want to call in, do so. 786-245-8127 is the call-in number. And I'm not, now I'm going to say it a little bit slower for the other guy's friends. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> not going to do it this time to you, other guy. I'm not going to do it. I have a quick shout-out. Sorry, shout I, just out got, I just got back. What did I miss? Oh, how much nothing. fun did you make? Me? Don't worry about it. You missed nothing. Go ahead, uh, Crystal. I, <laughs> I have a quick shout-out to uh, Kevin and Jennifer over on uh, Paraversal Universe Radio. It was a great uh, roundtable that we did last week with them and Deborah, who is on PSN, and uh, another guest. Uh, so it was fun. It was fun, and the archives are up if anybody wants to take a listen who missed it. Very nice. Indeed. Very, very nice. Indeed. Shout outs to them. Now, um, moving on to the news, uh, Chris, what do we have on the uh, I do. all the I do weird stuff? I, but you know, I have a couple videos, and these videos here I have are ones that are just been reported by, and I won't say by who, but by a Uh-oh. friend who is, in, in, is a part of MUFON. Would his name be, uh, what would it sound like, Manejandro Bolas? No. No? Damn. No. It's, it's not. It's actually an actual field investigator. Well, he kind of is. I mean, he's yeah, kind of he a field. Yeah, what about this Juan, Juan Valdez? No. It wouldn't be Juan Valdez. No. That would have been my second choice, honestly. <laughs> now, this is this is actually from our, our, our friend here, American Road Warrior. I'm sure he doesn't mind me saying. He's a MUFON field investigator in uh, the state he's at, and he, he had this one reported in. And so I put it into the chat site there, and here I'll put it into our our private little uh, Skype chat here, and you can see. Good, and good. And I shall chat this, and I, I shall link this out to our Facebook page. Just not to cut you off, Chris. Uh, anybody who wants to follow along, by the way, uh, as usual, go to our Facebook.com forward slash Skywatchers Radio, and all the links will be on there if you want to view it. Even if you're listening to the podcast later on, it'll be right there, so you can go and still see everything that we're talking about. Go ahead, Chris. Okay, yeah, sure. And this here is the MUFON case. Sounded here, excited, didn't it? 76590. <laughs> and it's, well, you kind of got to watch it. You kind of got to zoom into it. And if you notice, you're looking. At first, I was, you're a little bit, hmm, all right. It's not really known. But it truly is different. Uh, when you look at it, the guys there are filming it or whatever, the two uh, there you can hear talking. And it looks like it's dragging something underneath it. 
like it has something literally like there's like a well, almost like it's a laser or something pulling on him. Something. It's Iron Man. I'm it's trying to look at it and uh, okay. Takes a little bit to go. You kind of got to hone in a little bit. So not like my ex-girlfriend. Yeah. Is is it dragging something or is that? No, well, hang on. It's just it's very this odd. And... Blow your nose, other guy. Blow your nose before you speak. I can't. Uh he's stuffy. You sound like stuffy You sound like Biggie Smalls right now, to be honest. It just got reported. So that it could be a airline. it could be a balloon. I mean I'm it I don't know, it's no, a way to I, really no, tell. I think that I think that's I think whatever is be, the white thing that's in between the two portions of the object are moving too fast for it to be a balloon. I, I you know, that's my mm, I don't know. I see balloons move pretty I quick. I think it is moving too quick to be a balloon for sure. It's definitely yeah, a Angel, lot. Angel, take a well, here's, here, here's the thing: it's taking a very oh. practical trajectory. It's just going like pretty much sideways up. That's what balloons do. Like if this was some kind of a weird object, it would make maneuvers that are not conventional, like balloons do. Huh? Like this kind of almost looks like to me like we're looking at an angle, like a, a bottom angle of somebody who's paragliding or parachuting or something like that, and he has one of those long parachutes, and you're kind of getting like a, at a funny angle. You're getting the uh, the shot. Huh. That's kind of what I see here. Okay, I see where you're going. I, I, right? I you you, you kind of see that? Yeah, I, I guess I, I, I could I, see that. I don't know. Because look, even if you see the... like the, the look, way, I guess you're... Okay. Here, look, look, at, look, at the, look at it. When you're looking at it, you see the top blue part, and then you see the white strip, and then there's a lot of little blue part in the bottom, right? Notice as the top one is a little bit thicker and longer than the bottom part. To me, that's like you're looking at the angle where obviously the other side, the right side, is going to be a little bit smaller because it's at the further part of the uh, of the of the um, glider. So, I mean, that would to, to me that makes perfect sense. So they're getting it just at a funny angle, and it looks like that. Yeah. Well, it is what it is. Uh, I mean, it's an unidentified flying object, right? <laughs> exactly. Can't really fully identifying it. So, I'm not going to call bad squatch on this. I don't think this is a product of CGI. I think there's really something there. Uh, whether it's a, a human uh, paragliding or, or parasailing or whatever the hell you want to call it, skydiving or whatever, or whether it's an actual UFO or a balloon or whatever it is, there's really something on this video. I don't think this is a CGI. So I'm not going to call Bat Squatch on it, but I will be uh, mindful that I think it, it's not an alien ship. Okay. Uh, I will go. I don't know where I don't know where it is or where it is right now. I would need to see if there's any other corroborating uh, videos. Right. <laughs> that, see, that would help. If you have a collaborating witness or another video from a different angle that shows a closer shot, that would be interesting. Um, I'd believe it, too, that it is authentic because this looks really authentic. It doesn't look like fakey or anything. Um, so I would believe there's not two different fake, shots. Not fake, but fakey. That's right, fakey. Right. It's not fakey. It's almost... No, fakey. no You have to be fakey before you get to fake. Sure. And... Um, and it just—I mean—it looks like there's really an object there floating in the sky, whatever it is. So, it's a good one. Da -da -da, you found a good one. Congratulations! Yeah, I mean, I cannot fully—I cannot fully debunk it. I could just uh, give you my criticism is, of what I think it is. You know? It is truly an unidentified flying object to us. By all, all means, you. that's what it is. Yes, indeed. Okay, right, now there's go. another one of a video I found. On on YouTube, I really did look at our at our good friend at sort of Open Minds to see what they had, but you know there had really nothing, hadn't been they, they they really didn't have a lot happening right now. But I'm expecting that to pick up in the summer in the summer months. But um, they didn't have but a lot of stories and this stuff. And I know we would like to have our videos, uh, but I did find another one, and this was a little odd. 
And this was a one I'll put in here in our personal chat. If you haven't seen it, put it in the in the PSN chat here on Skype. But this is one where a guy claims we shows himself, I guess, whether it be time lapse or however he did, I don't know. But he's going to go and summons the UFO, which to me looked like kind of an orb, really. It looked like an orb up there from what I've seen. But he went up there, stood in his backyard, and and essentially uh, willed this thing to come, apparently, hmm. from the video. So this I'm is sorry, what I have. Summon, I'm sorry. If you summon a video of summon the UFO, I've got to think first thing out of my mouth is going to be Batsquatch. I agree 100%. I agreed 100%, but I had to watch. I had to see. But when they showed me the, the, what it was, and it's a little bit of a video. It's, it's a time process. It's a little bit of watching and what happens. I saw a video a few years ago of, uh, I can't remember the the dude's name. He was, uh, some religious, uh, guy from the Moors. Um, and he was, uh, claiming that he could summon UFOs and he would go out with, uh, and actually he went out with a serious camera crew. They were, doing like a mini documentary on what he could do, supposedly. And they went out with him, and he started summoning his UFOs. Mm. And next thing you know, he's claiming that airplanes are UFOs and balloons in the skies are UFOs. And he's literally like saying, you see sure. that right there? That's an alien ship. And the guy's like, no, that's actually a balloon. You can see the string under it. Like, that's a balloon. No, that's what they want you to believe. Mind control. <laughs> well, this that's is an alien ship. This now, is this video... This video, uh, I'm getting a very similar sensation because, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the kid in the video. He doesn't exactly look like a psychic or a person who has a connection with uh, alien beings. He looks like yeah. your typical kid, right? Uh, you know, it could be uh, a number of different like things. A, it could be a this little CGI. Could be, like I say, a time-lapse deal with him photoshopping in another right. scene or something. That's what I would only think could be the – but this is what I found. And it so gets interesting I thought, in about it's... two minutes and thirty nine seconds in. It then, really and, does. Yeah, you know? and then I'm you start trying to, to watch it, and my system's not letting me. Uh, well, here's uh, the, here's the thing, though. The objects that I'm viewing on here, um, yeah, they're interesting because they're light. You know, they're little lights in the sky. They're glowing, all kind of weird looking. Uh, they could easily be airplanes, though. That's that's the thing. If this guy lives anywhere near an airport, he's going to see a lot of these lights. With a regular camera, and you guys, you could do your own homework on this. Go outside, do a little sky watching, get a regular plane camera. This is probably like a cell phone or nothing major. Like, this doesn't look like it's a high definition anything. Uh, if you zoom in to an airplane, all right, who's co- that's coming right at you, first of all, you're going to get a couple of different anomalies. One, you're going to get something that looks like it's just sitting in the sky, which I'm looking at it in this video. It looks, there's a video of three minutes and something in it, and you can see it looks like it's just sitting there, or two minutes and something. I think it's the same one you're talking about, Crystal. But yeah. you get that kind of a, of a effect when you're capturing an airplane coming right towards you. And not only that, the second anomaly is the fact that it looks like a, like a ball in the sky or like an orb. That also happens. So the lights on the plane creates that orb effect. I know because I've done it. Mm. I have actually captured airplanes, done that same thing, Posted it on YouTube, just like this guy did, and people were like, oh, my God, are the feds knocking at your door? That is so awesome looking. I cannot believe you captured that. And if they only knew. You know what I'm saying? So because of that and having my own experience of sky watching, I got to call bat squats on this 100%. There is something in the sky that's an airplane. Guarantee you that's an airplane. It's not doing – it's not really doing – the thing is it's not doing anything alien-like. It's just sitting there plane, like an airplane would. Plane. This is true. This you know true. what I mean? I and think from we've far seen away? cooler UFOs videos than this one. Oh, but right, it is kind of cool. And it's you know interesting. What? And it Way really, for him to be a ballsy enough to claim and... that he could summon See, yeah, if at some point, like a little piece of an alien yeah. of the ship, like, split apart or something, that would be kind of neat, you know? Yeah. 
But I don't really see that happen. I just see like one ball just like it's a ball. blinking and being it's a ball. A ball and, yeah, it's a ball blinking. It's a ball blinking. It's a blinking ball. ball. Busting, blinking. Blinking, That's busting balls. Busting the balls. <laughs> In the sky. What's In next the- there, uh, Chris Brown? Okay. Oh, we lost you. Lost you. I'm here. No, I'm here. I'm here. I really, uh, like I say, I I was trying to dig around and find my. Well, there was a very uh, cool article that got shared on the Skywatchers page about how NASA apparently captured alien structures on Pluto on camera, hmm. which was an interesting. Yes, there is no Pluto. We have a flat Earth. There's no Pluto. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we're, we're living in a giant petri dish and matrix. Oh my god! <laughs> and that one also—I'm so sorry. And that one also has a video. <laughs> I had to mute myself from our really friends over at Secure Team, so we can check that one out too. Yeah, yeah I, I saw that. I saw that video. I find yep. Secure Team to be very uh, interesting, to say the least. And I don't find them, uh, you know, third phasey. Yeah, that's what I say. They're they're not fakey, like third uh, fakes of the moon. I mean, third phase of the moon. Mm-hmm. Third fakes and moons, whatever. Mm-hmm. Where's Big D? Big D, get uh, get these guys no. on the show for us. Where's Big but, D? Um, yeah. No, anyway, you know, it was, I didn't have anything on my, my thing, but, you know, one that I didn't want to hit on, which is, I guess, somewhat. Well, hold on, hold on. Let's, let's go into this video real quick because this is actually a very interesting Pluto video. Right. Have you seen the video, Chris, at all? Oh, no, let me see the I haven't. Someone Sorry. sent me the link. Someone yeah, me I'm going to post it on uh, – I know Chris will seen it, and I've seen it a couple of times already. I am. I'm and gonna, uh, I'm going to post it in the uh, – yeah, I, I, I got you, Chris. I got, got it, girl. Relax. You got it. I got, you got, I got it. it. You got it. You got it. I got okay. this. You do this. There you go. Everybody. Everybody can see this now. You got it, This looks – the, the thing with this video, and uh, for folks who are going to see this for the first time, um, they're going to be blown away by some of the stuff you see on there. There's uh, some definitely some artificial-looking structures, some building-like structures in there. Uh, some of the uh, craters do look like there's some kind of uh, structures in them that look artificial. Here's the thing, though, and this is where it gets iffy for me on these kind of videos. The person who put the video together got an, a NASA image, then they put it through a process that they went through uh, a 3D uh, rendering process and they filtered it like crazy. So, in other words, it's been photoshopped to hell by the person who got the video and gotcha. or got the original image. And what they're trying to do is to try to go back backwards in the pixelation of the image that NASA released to give you a more realistic look of what's out there. But here's the thing. You're using an artist's imagination for this more realistic look, not a person who actually saw the landscape for themselves and knows the proper dimensions of things. So anybody who's creating something backwards from NASA, trying to back-engineer an image or something like that to try to give a more you know, detailed description of what was really there, might mess it up. Might embellish right. and might it might start putting things in there, even. right? Pop things out a little bit here and there. All of a sudden, you got a building. You know, that's my issue with with, uh, with this. It's also my issue with NASA. NASA, you know, for all the trillions of dollars that we spend on, on our space pro- that we spent on our space program in the last uh, fifty years, they can't give us a clear image of anything. Everything is a little blurry, fuzzy, far away. Nothing, no clear images. Even the Pluto images, yeah, it's, it's Pluto, but you can tell it's Photoshop to hell. Why is it that they can't give us any clear images of the planets in question? Why spend all these billions of dollars to go to, to Pluto to get blurry images or images that really look fake? You know what I mean? That's my main problem. And if you had 
proper, you know, equipment up there, which I'm sure they do, and I'm sure they're not sharing that stuff with us. There should be images that could either collaborate this or completely debunk this. And I just, uh, you know, it's sad that we're never going to get those images. It's sad that so much money is being spent on these space programs and we're just kind of le- like left in the loop about it. But I have a, a major issue with the artist's rendition on this because this is his own personal take on what might be there. And it's not something we could, right. you know, should take literally as, yeah, this is 100% authentic. Because, again, n- none of us were there. We, we well, don't he's know. not going real 3D. I mean, he's trying to do a whole depth perception kind of a thing. Right, but he's, so, he's mean, trying to pop things out of place and make it look 3D-ish. He even, he even says it in the video that he's doing a 3D rendering of the original image and doing a backwards uh, pixelation fix or whatever, the way he describes it. Uh, but that's the, the gist of it is to kind of give it a more of a 3D-ish look so you could see the structures. And I understand where he's going with this because a lot of the images we see from Mars, the moon, or whatever are images that are kind of far away. So even if there's something there, you know, it would have to be so humongous for us to see it. Most likely we'll just miss it or just become part of the landscape and we will never see it. In fact, you can do that on Earth. If uh, you zoom far enough from a, from a major city, say even New York or Florida or, or any major state, if you zoom in far enough, you start just seeing greenery. And then you, it kind of fades out the city itself and you start losing details of the city. So that effect could easily happen on Mars, on the moon, on any of these planets. And yeah, is it possible this stuff is there? It's possible. But again, we're taking it on an artist's rendition. So, that's uh, that's just my take on it. Uh, Crystal, you have anything to throw in on that? No, you know what? Some of the shapes. I mean, it's good that you said that because I'd like to see the actual original, what he actually got from NASA before he he embellished it a little bit, um, mm-hmm. because these structures they look interesting. They really do. They look. I mean, it, you almost no, it can make out something that something was there. But then again, I mean, it absolutely could just be naturally formed. You know, whatever right. on Pluto. Well, here's, here's a, you know what's crazy. You know what's crazy, though, Chris. Before you continue, the the craters. They're all like in a circle. All the craters in a circle in, in the video. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does that not remind you of the council scene in Star Wars, uh, yes, where all the, the planets are all like little like saucer type of things, and all like just all the, <laughs> the delegates are sitting there? Doesn't that look uh-huh. like that? It really does. It really, really does. And you know, and when it, the video, and I'm trying to figure out where it was, but the video zooms in mm-hmm. on that big structure in the middle, and mm-hmm. that absolutely looks like a building, or like right. it almost looks Greek, like an open coliseum yep. of some sort, or like um, the Pentagon. Yeah, type. yeah. It's right? really it. Re- so I would really love to see the original photograph, just to see if we can to see like how much he made these stand out. Um, you know. But, you know, it's interesting. It's a cool video. Yeah, no, it is. And, look, the color correction or whatever he did to this thing, I mean, he made it black and white. Right. That's not the natural colors of the Pluto to begin with. And when you're going to trick people into believing something is something else, you know, you change things like the color, the structure of things, the depth of things. That's if you want to fool somebody. Why don't you give me a, a natural color of what Pluto looks like and just zoom into certain objects a little bit better? Yeah. It's either something there. You know what I mean? That's, yeah. I think, a better telling than what this person did here. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely, definitely, definitely. It would give more credibility to it, too. Yeah, um, completely. As completely, well. Because, yeah. I, mean, I mean, it's an interesting photo. It really is that they, they managed to get mm-hmm. it. Now, Chris, you were uh, going somewhere else completely a couple minutes ago. Well, kind of, but I thought it was the same. I said it was just, I, I didn't know if it was maybe... Uh, Pluto's or moon or something recently they just said that had all the components 
to sustain life they had found on. And it was just something I read on Facebook, one of them trending things, you know. Um, and then, of course, I tried to just go, went back to go try to find it, and I couldn't. But, but as I did try to find that, I did happen to see that, you know, they found out uh, that King Tut's uh, part King of Tut? his knife. Yep, King Tut. Part of his Tut. knife okay. that he was uh, buried with, the actual blade of it was made from a, um, a uh, meteorite. So... Um, well, that's yeah, it was, cool. Oh, yeah, it was cool. I know. They actually just found that out, a real meteorite. So it's like, oh, wow, jeez. Nice. So, yeah. That was yeah cool that's night. cool. We got mm-hmm. a link for that, or? I did, was getting, trying to get to use our imagination it, on that one? I can find that right now, but I, I just need to get to it. I'm sorry. Yeah, give me the mm-hmm. link for that so I can post it on the, the Facebook oh, cool. there. Yeah. Like yeah. I promised I would. Yep, you would. Uh, over on Newsmax, apparently there is an Ohio UFO video shot near Air Force Base that claims that there is a UFO that was flying near it. Well, interesting. Yes, I, I'm going to I'm going to link it all up and uh, we can check this one out because it looks uh, it almost looks a little Dark Knight. Dark, am I saying it right? Dark Knight. Dark no, no, that's Batman. That's Batman. That's no, Batman. That's a, the Black Knight. The Damn Black it, Knight. Black Knight. Black Knight. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I was saying it wrong. <laughs> that is Bruce Wayne. Did I give that away? No, yeah, you know what? Yeah, the, the, the moment I saw this picture, the first thing I, I thought was, yeah, Black Knight. It, it looks exactly right? like the yes. Does it look yeah, exactly it does. Like it? Yep, completely. Yeah, I, so I, completely I don't know agree. if it was the, the military playing around with one of their uh, UFO turned uh, spy planes or whatever. So uh, there you go. There's, there's a video on it. Oh, that's interesting. Let's take a look at the video. It says an Ohio US UFO video has gone viral since being posted on Saturday. So this is recent. Just yes. got posted recently on there. Again, Secure Team has the video on there, and uh, good job by them. Good job, good job. Let's see. Let me see what's up. And I just found that and put that in there, and it's King Touch Dagger was made from Iron Meteorite, it says. So, yep, there you go. There's a link right here, and I'll put it in our private or our private uh, Skype link here or chat for Skype. and. Uh, this almost yeah. looks Photoshopped. That's that's cool, though, Chris, about that. But I'm looking at this video now. And, oh, my God. It almost looks Photoshopped. It's so weird. It does. Yeah, and that's, a, that's this, the thing with security. There's more than one photo. There's more than one video that's shown up of it from different angles. And the really? news is actually, yeah, mainstream media has actually picked this up as well. So this one. Really? Wow. Yeah. That's oh, freaky coming out of the clouds like that. Yeah. yeah they yeah. they turned on the will... cloaking device, uh, you know. What is a cloaking covered. device when you have uh, clouds? Wow. Depends, clouds how, depends how thick That's the cool. clouds are. That's how thick the clouds are. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, if, if you create enough uh, clouds uh, artificially, you could just hide in between them. You know, I'm pretty sure that's pretty easy to do. Oh, uh, we have nothing like that at all. Uh. Uh-uh. Well, yeah. apparently we do because look here. Clearly we do. Yeah, and you know what the best part about this video is the bird flying across the stream. That always gets me. Yeah. Yeah, adds a little, I mean, adds a little sense of realism. Yeah, and as we all know, we like to promote realism here on the show. This is realism radio for the masses, and realism. it's absolutely fascinating. It is a fascinating. Uh, video. This video is pretty fat. This is freaky. I'd have seen this, and I'd have been like, "Yeah." I'd it have, does that's... look like it looks like a blue version of the Black Knight. So let's call this the the Blue Knight. It's the Blue Knight. It's the Blue Knight. We like it. It's the Blue Knight. We named it. I'm trademarking that. Trademark trademarking it. it. Yep, that's what I'm doing. The Do Blue it. Knight. The blue night. I feel like uh, I feel like the military probably has a much cooler name for this new spy plane of theirs since it was photographed near a uh, 
near the Wright Patterson Air Force Base. Yeah, but what do they know? Yeah. They should listen to That's us. True. They should listen to us. You know what I'm saying? Feel me? Now, there's an article here from uh, MysteriousEarth.net I'm going to share with you guys in a second. It says, Mars is inhabited by humans, and we have a secret pact with aliens. Space activist reveals. I believe dun, there's, dun, a, dun. there's a space activist? Well, I did not apparently, know. Apparently. Apparently. You didn't know? I didn't know. I was not in the know. <laughs> there's so many of them. A lot of space activists. <laughs> What does a space activist do? I'm so curious now. They activate stuff in space. I don't know. I, I... <laughs> <laughs> now, this is your while some of us, uh, well, some of us, it's undeniable that extraterrestrial beings exist. Some more in the cosmos. There are others who claim that these beings already know of our existence and are even visiting us uh, or residing on the planet on the interior, like the hollow earth, right? Uh, some of these affirmations come from reputable persons that heart that, that have been working hard in different environments, either related to space or to secret affairs on the planet. Uh, for them, oh. the transition between 2010 and 2020 is considered crucial for humanity because it would reveal the final proof involving intelligent entities that had been and are still visiting our planet. According to them, the world is slowly being prepared for a full alien disclosure. But wait, haven't they been saying that for the last 20 years? Like Every year it's like, yeah, disclosure's coming next year. Yeah, 2012. Yeah, it's going to happen. Mayans, well, they predicted I it, right? Mean, yep, right. never do today what we're going to put off till tomorrow. Right, now it's 2020. Then 2020, which would be funny because there was a TV show called 2020. Still waiting for when the prophetic. Now, so, you know, hey. Right. I mean, 2020 you know is a very prophetic I'd number. I'd settle at this <laughs> point for an accurate photograph of Earth because someone mentioned in the right? chat earlier it was a reminder about how Earth is actually pear-shaped. That is blowing my mind. Well, that that's huge. here's the thing. Here's that's the thing. Huge. How do you here's just, like throw that in as an Shaped aside? like a big egg. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. The person it who made that comment, shape, but if only well, if you take the water out of the equation. That's right. The person who made that comment is Neil deGrasse, deGrasse Tyson. I was mess up his middle name. Neil, De, Neil deGrasse Tyson, great scientist, a uh, very brilliant person. And when he dropped that on people, on uh, I believe it was like in an interview or something, that one did it blow my mind. I, I, I mean, I was, I was. I was flabbergasted, to be honest, to even consider the fact that the Earth might be pear-shaped. But then I thought about it, and I was like, no, it makes sense. You take all the water out, like the other guy over here just said. And, yeah, no, the Earth is kind of pear-shaped. It's not It's not a round, spherical Earth at all. It's very oddly shaped. And with it, the forces of it going round and round and round at thousands of miles per hour, you could kind of take an, an oblique egg type of look, you know, sometimes spherical from certain angles. So I could see what he's trying to get at. And, and it's funny that, like, the equator works very weird, you know, compared to the rest of the planet. So there is credence to that. But isn't it just weird to, like, wake up one day and, and say, yeah, we don't live in a round earth. We live in a pear-shaped earth. Uh, you know? <laughs> Our whole life has been a lie. It it's is, been, it is, while it is better than a flat earth, you know, it really, it, it almost, it gives more credence because the flat earth, I'm like, can we get a picture? Can we get an accurate, high definition picture of what the freaking planet looks like? We can't, you know, unfortunately, Photoshop out the aliens. Come on, guys. It's not that hard. Well, apparently it is because every picture that NASA puts out there of the planet earth, it's a Photoshop. Right. I mean, I mean so let me, let's get an accurate one. You, you know, know, you know, know what I'm saying? Something. You know what I mean? 
Even even like the, some of the time Everything lapse footage, some of like the the video. Save a buck is all they. Well, I, no, there's the they're spending a, they're spending a buck actually to get this stuff done. But even videos of the the, the shuttle has uh, taken has been photoshopped or, or CGI'd. I mean, really, do we need to CGI clouds that look exactly the same? Okay. I mean, I swear, I swear, you know what? Space must be completely full of alien air. That's the only reason that I could think they photoshop things so much. Like there has to be aliens everywhere. Like they are literally just chilling, and we've never like, you know, <laughs> just chilling. <laughs> Guys, we're gonna go. Wow. We gotta go on a we gotta go on a quick break. When we come back, we got Nancy Burns for the Nancy Burns Experience. And when we're done with that, guess what? We have a guest on on the second hour. Yeah. That's right. And it's gonna get freaky, folks. It's gonna get nice and and freaky. scary. It's gonna freak your mind, baby. Right here on Skywatchers <laughs> Radio. Stick around. It's gonna be fun. Two hours. We'll be back in two minutes. Roswell, UFOs, flying saucers, alien abduction. Are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the Internet. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. Put a team of professional consultants behind your home or business computer with key information solutions. Providing solutions to your internet and computing needs while keeping you on the cutting edge of technology. Preventative maintenance and networking support. Hardware and custom built computers. Let key information solutions be your personal tech staff for your home or office with affordable hourly, monthly, or annual rates to fit anyone's budget. Call Key Information Solutions now. 954-973-3374. That's 954-973-3374. Or visit keyinformation.com. Up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's supermanhomepage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. Supermanhomepage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. Supermanhomepage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the Man of Steel and more supermanhomepage.com
And we are back on Skywatchers Radio with the Nancy Burns Experience, and it's something I've been waiting for all day since this Aww. morning. I've been, Aww. I've been sitting there, and I've been saying, "Man, I, I'm sure Nancy Burns is going to come with it tonight. I'm sure yeah. she's got an amazing story to tell us to talk about, and some incredible gossip that she wants to share with the rest of us. Maybe That's even right. a funny joke or two, something incredible." And then Chris ruins it for you. I'm so sorry, Nancy. I'm just... Well, it's it's Chris. <laughs> Chris and I think a lot alike. Okay, so we both hooked onto that story about. King Tut's sword, his little dagger. But you guys, you guys missed the whole, the great part of the story. I'm happy to say you missed the reason I picked it. Okay, well, I, tell us. Yeah. Bring okay, it on. So, Bring uh, it on. Yeah, so d- down further into the article, after they talk about, you know, uh, it was a meteorite. That's interesting. Uh-huh. It's fascinating and wonderful. The bizarre burial rituals. Ooh, this is Ooh. so wonderful. So here's here here's what it says. I I you know I I read right past it, <clears throat> and um and I couldn't and I couldn't. This is the Daily Mail, I believe, is the newspaper, a very gossipy British newspaper. So this is how the Brits say this: uh, Researchers from the American University in Cairo believe the king's appendage was embalmed at a ninety degree angle to make the young. Pharaoh appear as Osiris, the god of the underworld. Now, I don't huh. understand what they meant by appendage, but they go ahead and tell you right <clears throat> afterward. Yeah. The, the angling of the penis. The, little, little guy. Yeah, the angling little guy. of the penis yeah. was a feature wo- uh, worn by corn mummies. What? Created, corn mummies created in honor of Osiris. So picture small mummies, you know, to, to appease. The, but I, so, and also the mummy was covered in black liquid to resemble Iris's skin. So we know we got a black dude who's got a, you know, a, me, a memorable member. <laughs> yeah, the <laughs> stereotype is real. And you, you know, you Ooh, my goodness, Nancy, my that, goodness. Uh, <laughs> I'm so glad we missed that earlier because that's so much funnier now. Memorable member, it is yeah. so real on Sky Watchers Radio right now. I don't know that's not fakey. That's not fakey at all. Right there, she just said that not is, fakey. But, but, nope, but that was see, real. Yeah. So, so that's Osiris and and the and the young king. But, but the there. Okay. So I have two other things. Uh, um, the final thing revo- uh, revolves around what you're talking about. Well, I'll tell that now. GoPro. Go, uh, the uh, SpaceX people have been practicing landing their rockets back again on a drone ship. And I heard I that. Yep, that. Yep, yep. Yeah, so they've nailed it twice, but for this third time, they stuck a GoPro on it, you know, a camera. And you can clearly see the curve of the Earth. Okay? Here, Nancy, here's the thing, though. Uh, all GoPro cameras have a fish hook lens. So it, even a straight a fish eye, a, yeah, fish eye. Fish eye. Even, even a yeah, fish eye. I'm sorry. Even a straight, straight flat Earth will look curvish. It'll look like curve. Uh-huh. Interesting. Not okay, only so that, so... not only that. It's funny yeah. that they don't sell any GoPro without the fish eye lens. Okay, I see you've been doing your homework uh-huh. in the weird world. Okay, so here's mm. something. Here's something that's been really eating at me. I'm sure you all heard about the, uh, and I'm going to say Neanderthal. Because I hate when people say Neanderthal, okay? It's just a person. I say that. It just gets on my nerves. Neanderthal. 
Neanderthals. No, that's I say it all the time. I okay, do. it's probably right, but it's it's. No, either... it's wrong. I I, I embrace. <laughs> I was about to say. I swear to God, that's wrong. I swear to God, it's Neanderthal. Like who's I embrace. I embrace that. when I say things wrong, Nancy. I no, all it. kinds of all kinds of uh, snotty academics. Oh. Uh, you know, one person goes on TV and says Neanderthal, and just like Martha Stewart used to always say herb instead of herb. She always had a herb, and she would uh, aspirate her age. Okay, so I'm trying to find this thing right now in my um uh this thing called pocket okay this story you guys probably all read it was all over the news last week and it's about the neanderthals that the uh, what they found in a cave do you have okay. a link for that nancy can you look at those yeah 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 okay you. let me let me okay let me get that to you right now um okay let me get okay so here okay command all Copy. Put the link in the. I'm putting the link in the. Put the lime in the coconut. No. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And and so anyway, so what it is is these guys uh, went deep inside of a cave, deep, 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 and they sort of built stuff with the stalagmites and the stalactites, the ones coming down, the ones shooting up. They built sort of structures. But the the horribly shocking thing about this is these are what 145,000 years old these these structures yes way older than okay so my question is what happened to these creatures i've never gotten a, a, i've never understood why they disappeared they had bigger brains what happened and are they the aliens maybe mm, and maybe. why were they why were they so deep in the earth doing creative things what was out there that was so horrible that they stayed deep, 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 at deep in the earth? I always thought maybe <laughs> Neanderthals were almost like maybe a Bigfoot, you know, because they kind of look Bigfootish, yeah, kind exactly. of. Maybe this exactly. is what people interpret. Maybe they were an actual a species that that didn't go and in, in a crossbreed with a with an alien to make us or whatever. Yeah, and then yeah, uh, boom, ends yeah. up being running off in their pack of Bigfoots that we've been, they're you know, technically yeah. Neanderthal. You know? They might even be the missing link that science keeps exactly. looking for. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> That's what I was thinking too, because when on Monday when we were talking to Christopher, the very attractive, handsome Christopher. Giratano. Um, he is cute. I, I mean, know I am ugly. As, as opposed to uh, Christopher Brown here, right, Nancy? Oh, that's right. Yeah, well, Chris, Christopher <laughs> Brown is cuddly. Uh, Christopher Brown is cuddly, but, but Chris. Man, ugh. man. She was that close from calling you a, like a, a nerf herder or something like that. Like scruffy looking <laughs> nerf herder. That's what you are, Chris Definitely Brown. Definitely friend zone, my friend. Yes, completely. Completely friend zone, Bob. Yeah. Done. Well, I wanted to bring it up during his show because um, it seems to, because uh, he's going to do Bigfoot. And it seems like this is a path. But think how much smarter they might be if they've been here 145, what, thousand years ahead of us? Well, look, Nancy, if Bigfoot is real and they've been evading humans for mm-hmm. this long and we've been, you know, randomly smart. looking for them and we can't find them anywhere, we can't shoot right. one to prove it, and they are 100% real, then, yeah, they're pretty damn smart because they are, they're evading societies all over the right. world, if they're all right. over the world. Right. I mean, we don't know how large of a population of Bigfoots they are, if they're real or not. We really don't, we don't have any concrete evidence, and if it turns out that they are real and we still, you know, we were this long without any concrete evidence, yeah, i got to say they're pretty damn smart. Well, there's another um, there's another thing that I tweeted uh, today, and I could retweet it, or anybody in the in the in the chat or whatever could retweet uh-huh. it. Um, and it's a thing I saw on Reddit, and it's a chart, uh, a cartoon of all the the various philosophical um, 
uh, movements that have ever been on the earth. And it's a real quick chart of all the different ways human beings have tried to figure out who are we, what's our place, and all mm-hmm. that. And I should probably just pull it up as we speak. It would be, it seems stupid not to. But, um. Do it, Nancy. I'm doing that Do right it. now. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. I never know what we're going to talk about. And by the way, that's part of the Nancy Burns experience, though, Nancy. That's I'm sorry about that. But, okay, so last night I was listening <laughs> Don't to. Don't be. It's awesome. Guess what? Cool. Last night, Peter Moon, we had Ooh. talked about him a bit on yeah. our show on Monday night. Peter Moon was on uh, Midnight in the Desert and. Oh, with uh, Heather Wade. With, uh, Heather Wade. And Heather told Peter that. Oh, what's the guy's name? Preston Nichols was dead. D E D. Dead, dead, dead. Okay. And Peter said. <laughs> That can't be. He's my friend. We know each other. I've... And so Heather said, no, no, I read it. It's on the internet. And in the course of the show... Oh, wait, Heather. Really? Yeah, I know. In the course of the show, I believe it came out. It's a five-hour show. It came out eventually that he was still alive. And Heather actually said something like, well, I'm not sure this is true or not, because I, I, I fell asleep. But... So, but anyway, so that was a, a little phenom that happened, and there was some other reason I bring that up, not just um, make, Peter, not Moon. just to make fun of, uh, of Heather's uh, not to not to just bring moment. That up. <laughs> well, it was a funny moment, just because I thought it was interesting. In that, I mean, how, how, how I haven't I didn't hear the episode, but how like secure and sure about this was she? Like, I mean, how like hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, she yeah. was she like not backing off at all? Was she like you know aggressive yeah. about it? Like, yeah, he's dead. D E E E D Extra <laughs> well, E Dead. I didn't actually hear that part. I only heard That would have been cool if she would have gone off like yeah. you know, off the deep end yeah. like that. Yeah. Well, you know, I heard the middle part. I heard the Peter Moon part. Peter Moon was sort of in his glory at the point where I was listening. And um because, you know, Sometimes now, you wander off. What? Now, I am looking at photos of uh, Preston Nichols here, recent photos, too, and I'll tell you this much. Uh, he's not dead yet, but he will be soon because, my <laughs> goodness. Wow, well, he's, Preston. He's, uh, yeah. I mean, What's look, going on with you, bro? Uh, old age is not – getting old is not for the weak. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> See, it's really hard. And I came here – okay, I came here to find that mm-hmm. stupid thing that I tweeted. Okay, my tweets. Maybe – okay, do I go to my tweets, something like that? That would work, uh, yes. Yeah, you guys out. are all. You guys are all. We're all tweet heads. Uh, yeah, you're all my tweeting <laughs> friends. You guys all know, but it was a really good tweet. Okay, here it is. Um, it, the meaning of life, according to different philosophers. Uh, this is an amazing thing. This chart, and you can kind of. Um, I'll put it in the. I'll talk about it for a couple seconds and put it in the chat thing too. The meaning of life. This is so cool. According to different philosophers. So it tells you, um, and the little cartoons, like the little pictures on the men's and women's rooms. Simple cartoons. So Platonism, learn more. Learn more. Platonism. Okay. Be be good. Aristotle. 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 That's a tough one. one. Took me years to learn it. Aristotle, yeah. Don't feel bad. Um, Be self-sufficient. Cynicism. Have pleasure now. Hedonism. Free yourself. I had fun at a hedonism. Let me tell you. Yeah, hedonism like, three like in Jamaica. Great, great, great spot. <laughs> Look, Free yourself from pain. That's called Epicureanism. I like that one. Free yourself from pain. In other words, just free yourself from pain. Be logical. Don't suffer. That's called Stoicism. 
uh, classical liberalism is defend individual liberty, defend individual liberty. Right. Uh, and then there's Kant, Kantianism, do as you have others do, the golden rule, nihilism. Okay, nihilism is really fun. Do anything. That's cool. Nihilist. I think you, Angel, <laughs> or if you ever see the, the Great Lebowski, the Big Lebowski. The Have nihilist. I ever seen the Big Lebowski? <laughs> the and nihilist. I am the nihilist. I am the nihilist, yes. Yeah. Okay. Pragmatic. I'd be on your rug, Lebowski. <laughs> <laughs> Along with the Chinamen. We're going to pee on your rug. <laughs> it really brings the room together. Go ahead, we need Nick. the other guy for that, that line. Okay, pragmatism. Oh, oh pragmatism brings the most good to humans theism follow god's will existentialism make it de- make decisions and be positive so forth and so on uh, there's only a couple more but the point is that's a great chart because you can sort of choose what you want to do uh absurdism strikes me as makes sense okay just stop making sense of life just live I like absurdism. But as you can see, people have been struggling with this since the since the written word. We don't, you know, we don't know what they did before they started writing stuff down. We have no idea what they thought. Interestingly enough, um That's until they started yeah. to write. It is interesting when you think about it because they did something in the caves, deep oh, yeah. in the caves, you yeah. know? Yeah. Well, it, you know what? It's 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 hard to get a perspective of someone that you don't understand. And their world was so vastly True. different from ours, you know. Yep. I mean, yep. for yep. us trying to interpret, I mean, it's it's literally probably probably how a cockroach looks at us. Like, oh, and vice versa. If if I they were to like, if they were to somehow you know be able to see us in the future, I mean, right. computers, posters on the walls, toys hanging from it. I'm not just, and I'm only describing Facebook, my room. <laughs> and I'm just describing my room, by the way. If they went to see my room, aliens or these beings from five thousand, ten thousand years ago, would be like, what the hell is this fat boy doing? This is crazy. <laughs> I mean, what, what is the Star Wars thing on the walls? All the pictures of our food on, like, what would they interpret? Right. Like, all the times that somebody has tweeted what their dinner looks like, what would a, what would a civilization think of us? Like, well, have you seen Have you seen online the pictures of a month's worth of eating for mm. all the different cultures? It's really very eye opening. Mm. Uh, diff- really cool pictures of people at different countries different places and, and all the food they would eat for a month is all spread out on the table or whatever it's really wonderful really wonderful and you know americans don't have a very healthy diet compared to some of the other places very i'll, interesting. I'll tell you, you what it, if you're ever a little constipated a little backed up have some indian food Just oh saying. yeah hurry in a cur- so hurry good. in a hurry curry oh in my hurry. goodness so good <laughs> clears the tunnel if you know what i'm saying yeah. <laughs> it's very good for you. It's very yeah. good for you. I'll have a cup of coffee and take care of that, but you know. Really? A cup so, of coffee? Yeah, it keeps me regular. I mean, I'm a huge coffee drinker, so yeah, coffee a day keeps me yeah. regular. Yeah, uh-huh. absolutely. Good yep. times. Meaning of life. So there you go, the meaning of mm. life. That was so I had three I like bits. It. Here's a Here's uh, Heather, uh, going back to Heather Wade real quick, and what happened the other night. Uh, somebody posted in the uh, chat here. I called that she was going to blame the Mandela effect. I and, know. And it came out later. Seriously, like, did she blame the Mandela effect? That would be so funny. Well, see, that's what they were saying on Belgab. They, they, but I, couldn't, I hadn't read it close enough to know whether they were making it up that she had said it or that she had actually said it. The Mandela effect <laughs> blows my mind, yeah, uh, in terms of... Um, you know, whether you believe it or not, because, and I say this every time, we live next door to the Berensteins, and I could go over there and I could, I could solve this problem once and for all. Do you guys know about the other, uh, the guy? other universe? The other guy? Oh, no. yeah, you know, you know, the other universe where the thing is spelled with 
you know, Berenstain, Berenstain. Stein. I think of the Bernstein, like the Bernstein Bears. That's what I'm, you know? that's what I'm saying. It's oh, Bernstein. Okay. It's oh, because you're losing me there, Nancy. I have no idea what you're no, talking no, about. No, 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 no. Uh, really? Three, all th- uh, Crystal? No? Yeah, you, I am I am sinking. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you, Nancy. I'm there. I'm uh, other guy, are you there? How's the nostrils? Other, other guy had to the run off. The other guy went to bed. The other guy went to bed. Yeah, he had to run off. But, oh, did he? But, okay, I guarantee you, it's a oh, big deal in the lower levels of ufology, lower levels, not the higher levels, the concept that in some universe, that we have split universes time and again because you totally believe that Mandela was dead and then you find out he's alive and you were brought up reading the Berenstein Bears, but it's really spelled Berenstain with an A. Baron's ba- well, I hope this is not a bad stain on Heather Wade's resume. <laughs> <laughs> Pun intended. Well, Thank I you very much. I swear to God, Heather Wade cannot catch a break. She just can't. <laughs> I know. I know. She's just hanging in there. She's trying. And and according to Art Bell, and according to uh, therefore the according to the the you know the head of the network, basically, right. um, their stuff is going up. And that's all that matters, really. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure the stuff was going up, all right. <laughs> or like the, you know, like the, the append ninety degree append. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. She no. went there, folks. She actually went there. <laughs> oh my goodness! Wow. Isn't all that right. cool? That was hey, a good setup by me, though. Good job, Nancy. Let's just segue right to our guest after that one. <laughs> oh my goodness! For real. So, did you listen to the first hour of the show? Say no. no. Say no. Thank God. <laughs> it was great. It was all about ufology and ghosts. It was all about ufology. That's exactly what we talk about on this show. Very seriously. Very, very seriously. Sky Watchers. <clears throat> Sky so now we're going we're gonna to talk to somebody who has a book about what? What was it again, uh, Crystal? It's <laughs> a lot. Uh, ESP, Telepathy and Other Unseen Phenomenon. Uh, Does ufology at all get covered in there? Uh, well, unseen phenomenon, maybe I don't. Do people well, no, because UFOs lab, are seen; so. they're just a phenomenon, you know. But they're seen. They, well, you know. But this no. is this is a famous lab, the Duke Lab, right? The Duke Parapsychology uh, Laboratory. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Don't yes, worry. Yes, yes. I'll try to uh, bring us back to UFOs somehow, folks. We'll, 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 we'll get at least we'll, we'll get it in there. We'll get a uh, we'll get a salad together of all this different kind of stuff that we're going to talk about tonight, and somewhere in there, I'm going to throw a little paprika and a little salt, a little. Pepper, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and I'll throw you followed you right in the mix. Don't worry, it'll happen. Like, Just sit back, like, relax. It'll be good. Like, that's a Cuban dish, right? That is a Cuban dish. It's called the yes. Cuban Fury. Okay, it's not menudo, right? No, 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 <laughs> no, not menudo. That's uh, what Ricky Martin. No, nope. you know menudo is a food, right? Yeah, but there's also a pop group from the '80s. Yeah, yeah, I know. Oh. Of course, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ricky Martin. Yeah, mm. which which uh, reminds me of like one of the funniest scenes I've ever seen in a, in a comedy movie. Um, it was actually the uh, American Pie reunion movie. Yeah, it, it was. Relax, guys. I know it's not <laughs> the greatest funny. comedy ever made, but there was one scene that was really wow, funny. I give up that it was pretty too. funny. It was one scene, just one scene that was really funny when they're talking about like um, they're like in a group. The guys are in a group together and they're talking about their high school. Um, what do you call it? Their um, high school yearbook, and they're all going through the yearbook, and they get to Jim Biggs, you know, main character in the on the movie. They get to his picture, and he's like, "Hope to have the sex life of Ricky Martin." And they look at him like, "How did that work out, huh?" Because <laughs> the first one he was still straight when the first one came out. So, oh, yeah, how did that work out, Jim? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. 
Uh, it just reminded me of that. I'm sorry. It just did. Anyway, with that said, we're going to go to commercial break, and we're going to have our guest on in the second hour here coming up in a couple of minutes. Uh, Nancy, you want to stick around with us and uh, hang out? I'll, I would love to, but I will, be, I will be more silent than Chris, even more silent. I'll, I, will do a, I will pull a Chris I Brown. don't believe mm, it no, at all. Don't believe that. No. Don't believe no. it. No. I, now, okay. if you were going to say more silent than the other guy because he's not here, then maybe I'd believe it. <laughs> No. Maybe. Chris is great. Chris Chris can be completely silent the whole show and then suddenly say something amazingly witty and it's like, What? You're here? I know. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, I mean <laughs> That's how Chris look, is. In yeah. reality, Chris is, you know, one of the co hosts on the show, but I I have a like this thing about, you know, giving him that actual title yet. I want to keep him as a news guy because I think he, sure. he works a little harder when you just call him the news guy. So I want to keep him there because Chris is our secret weapon. That's what people That's don't right. understand. It's true. He's a secret right. weapon. That's right. And with a new headphone now, he even sounds good. You know he, what I'm saying? Yeah. He sounds fantastically. Yeah, that'll look good, hey? <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we're going to be right back in a couple minutes here with our guest, Miss uh, Stacy Horn. And uh, it's, uh, it's going to be a mixed bag of creepy stuff. So stick around, uh, get tight, turn the lights off, and uh, get some popcorn. It's going to be a fun show tonight. We'll be right back on Skywatchers Radio in two. that drive the discussions of your favorite talk shows with TalkStream Live's topic-driven talk radio. List and promote real-time talk radio topics or post the topics that you want to hear. Hot topics are tweeted and retweeted and include simple click-to-listen audio links. The future of talk radio is topic-driven talk radio. Available now at TalkStreamLive.com. Here's a riddle for you. What do the California gold rush of the 1850s secret societies, coded messages, 
mysterious 19th century flying machines and an early 20th century outside artist named Charles A.A. Delshaw all have in common? The Secrets of Delshaw by Dennis Crenshaw and Pete Navarro. Go to www.secretsofdelshaw.com to learn more. Look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's supermanhomepage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. Supermanhomepage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. Supermanhomepage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the man. Man of Steel and more. SupermanHomePage.com. The George Rodriguez Show. Who? I said the George Rodriguez Show. You don't know George Rodriguez? Wasn't he the guy that filled in for Neil Rogers? Yes. That George Rodriguez. What's he like? Oh, he's a short little Cuban fellow. Kind of funny looking. Well, when's he on? 12 to 3, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on SoFloRadio.com and SoFloRadio.net. The George Rodriguez Show is much more than adequate. All right, everybody, welcome back to Skywatchers Radio right here on psn-radio.com. And now it's that time to talk to our guest. We have an hour with Miss Stacy Horn, and it's going to be absolutely fascinating. Thank you so much for being on here with us, Miss Stacy Horn. Thank you for being on Skywatchers. It's great to be here. Now, Crystal <laughs> is the person that brought you to the forefront here and told us all about you. And Crystal, uh, you know, she knows... Every single detail of uh, your work, right, Crystal? That's right, right? I know. That. <laughs> Nook and cranny. I, I know everything <laughs> that the Internet has told me. <laughs> okay. What it's I want to start... It's not a problem. It's not a problem. What I want... Well, what I want to start off with, and, and, you know, just doing a little brief research here today and, and kind of reading up on you and stuff, uh, because I've been kind of away for you know, a few months, and I just got back to the uh, to doing the show a few a couple of yeah, actually, like a few weeks ago, and um, kind of like getting caught up with all the guests that these folks have booked ahead of time. And uh, mm-hmm. just from doing my own little research, um, I wanted to ask you, how did you start writing and working on stuff this creepy and bizarre, considering you look so normal? I wouldn't call it creepy, actually. The the research that the Duke Parapsychology Laboratory engaged in was fascinating, not creepy. But um, I got into it because I had originally um, wanted to write a book about a ghost story about a haunted house. That's the creepy part. That's the creepy part, right? That's creepy. (laughs) I don't even think ghosts are creepy. What? Bumps in the night. I can't <laughs> see it. Hardcore. Creepy. What? I'm sorry. I couldn't do it. But continue. I'm not entirely sure that ghosts exist, but if they do, I would be fascinated to talk to one. 
Oh, that's interesting. Really, you're not 100% sold on the concept of ghosts, goblins, afterlife demons? Well, I have no personal experience with any of them. That's fair. Makes two of us. Makes two of us. Yeah. But I have an open mind. Okay. That's good. That makes sense. So, okay. (laughs) So so the the Duke Parapsychology Laboratory did almost no work um, with UFOs, though. I've noticed that, yes, and... That's very sad. I'll tell you the one thing I I did come across, though, because at the time when they were doing their work, which was mostly from the 30s to the 60s, although Mm -hmm. they still exist today, but during this time period, they were famous, and they were pretty much the only game in town in the United States. So whenever anything weird happened in America, people wrote them. So there's Mm. this incredible archive at Duke University right now of all the weird things and all the unusual things that happened in America contained in these letters that people sent to the lab. So my favorite part of the research was just going through these letters because it it was astounding, the things that I came across. And I wrote about the best letters I found, but among them were letters about people um, asking about UFOs. They started popping up in the 50s. Um, people were um, you know, saying that they saw them. And, right, and which makes well, sense because 47, Roswell, you had that time period where UFOs, exactly. there was a big boom of the UFO phenomenon and the popularity in the concept was right in, after the 40s, which makes sense. But it, they, it, got, uh, they got letters from big name people asking right. them. Well, no, and, yeah, no, presidents uh, were interested in the subject back then. You know, big actors. Jackie Gleason was huge into the subject. But here, here's oh, the thing. Oh, yeah, he, he was friendly with the lab, Jackie yeah. Gleason. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, I found letters from him. Oh, there you go. See? No, that doesn't shock me because he was into a lot of these subjects. Uh, and, you know, what, what's crazy, though, in talking about, you know, ghostly activity and some of the stuff that, you know, that the parapsychology is working on, my contention is for many, 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 many years before the 40s and 50s and that explosion of UFO popularity is that back uh, 100 years ago, 200 years ago, 500 years ago, a lot of the, the paranormal activity that people were having uh, could easily have been alien interaction that they were misidentifying, things like leprechauns, goblins, demons, ghosts, all these things that we're looking at and we're trying to put into perspective of what they are. You know, back then, people didn't have the concept of aliens or even a Earth that is a part of a multi-universe, a multi-galaxy, multi-everything. You know, there's no concept of these things back then. So easily people went to the conclusion, oh, these are beings from the afterlife or they're ghosts or, you know, made up you know legends behind these things but they could easily have been kind of an interaction with aliens wouldn't right. you say that could be a possibility well you probably know more about this than than I do but um i remember reading a description uh a newspaper description of the fatima sightings mhm and when you read the newspaper description it sounds more like a ufo than anything else that right. miracle that she had happened mhm which, have you discussed that on your show? We really haven't talked about the miracle. I mean, they really... What, what was the actual miracle? You know what I'm referring to? No, no, I know about the Fatima sightings, that, definitely. Uh, but what was the miracle itself? you know itself? about the description? No. Tell us. The newspaper... Um, when one of the... Well, you, I, I'm not an expert on these sightings, but um, 
the, the the woman in the vision told the children when she would appear. So after it became very well known, a bunch of newspapers from around the world came, and, and a reporter from the New York Times was there for this big sighting when she said she was going to make an event happen that would convince everybody. And you read the newspaper description. I mean, when when the religious press this wrote about it, you know, they made it sound you know, like a visitation from God. But when right. the New York Times reporter wrote about it, he said the sun um, started um, glowing brighter in the sky and then zigzagged down to earth. Now, they still huh. put a religious spin on it, but right. reading it now, it sounds like a UFO. <laughs> yeah, it clearly does. Right. like an orb really UFO yeah. type of thing. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, th- this is Nancy uh, Burns. Um, I just want hi, Stacy. I wanted to ask a quick question. Um, it's in your about a page about yourself. It mentions that at age three you had a kind of um, a friend, an unknown girl that you would be play you would play with. No, I, I don't know what you're referring to. Okay, so you're you're not the haunted librarian. No, that's a, that's a different Stacy Horn. Wow. Because I wondered why you didn't bring much, this up. Much, well, mu- yeah, much like there's two crystal storms out there in the world, there's two yeah, Stacy Horns. Right. Wow. And there's What's a bunch of us Chris Browns out there. Are you kidding? And one of them yes. is in my name. Yes, he's I'm sorry, Stacy. I'm really sorry. Stacy, fine. Nancy Burns, you've had weeks to prepare. Yes. So I have another thing I can ask you guys about. Um, one of the letters um, that they received was from Aldous, Aldix, Aldous Huxley. I can't speak. It's late at night for me. <laughs> and he talked about um, forming a group in Los Angeles in 1951, which they called the Civilian Saucer Investigation. Do you know about this group? No, but it sounds oddly familiar to like uh, MJ-12 or something like that. Yeah. No, it sounds more like uh, uh, Terrence um, McKenna's type of sighting. He, he sort of hated the UFO world, uh, gave some talks, and and basically kind of separated himself from the UFO people. But basically, he believes that seeing UFOs are part of just a whole other universe that drugs will open up, and for you know, so it's. Uh, so I believe Huxley's uh, civilian uh, society was of the same uh, fabric based on experimentation in all kinds of substances, in- including like morning glory seeds and all kinds of stuff. Well, then I was way off. Yeah, who, who's, I don't, uh, well, he doesn't mention that in the letters. <laughs> he, I mean, it, he really talks about it in terms of being real events, not drug-induced. Right, oh, really? and so, yeah, and so did, and so I was did, way uh, off. well, yeah, well, but on the other hand, Huxley is pretty much credited with being a government, perhaps disinformation agent, so it's kind what, of, really? Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, What yeah, did yeah. you read? I'm curious in these letters. Yeah. This was a letter, this was a letter from uh, a British guy, he was an historian and a philosopher, his name was Gerald That narrows it down. Sorry. His name was Gerald Hurd, mm-hmm. and he was writing um, about this group. And they were curious because they were thinking perhaps extrasensory perception and telepathy um, 
was a method that perhaps aliens were using to communicate with oh, each other. Here's the thing. In, in every uh, abduction scenario, the one thing that is common and, and is a very common thread is the fact that they say the aliens don't speak to you verbally. They speak to you mm-hmm. through telepathy. They, they mm-hmm. talk to you to your, through their mind. Uh, so, yeah, that's actually very common. Well, they were technology. asking this back in 1951. Well, there you go, yeah. And now it's a common thread in the abduction phenomenon. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, does, it depends on your politics, but people who are very, very, very one side or the other, I forget which wing, left or right, believe that Huxley and his brother and the whole crew he hung out with were all part of either the left or the right's infiltration into the, you know what I'm saying, the, the really extreme people kind of own Huxley these days. That's why I I, um, I want, you know, he's, he's, an, he's an interesting character. You have to kind of read him through the filter mm. on the web of, you know, what side the the filter is on? Just saying. Yeah, mm. that's interesting. Now so, I got more homework to do. I uh, know, right? There's, it never goes away. Never. <laughs> so, Stacy, <laughs> you talk about ESP telepathy. You know, you sound like you're very fascinated by it. So, you wanted to write a book about ghosts. Instead, you end up writing a book about research into ghosts. Take right. us into that transition. What happened? Well, I didn't start out um, interested in telepathy at all. Um, I wanted to write this book about ghosts, and so I, I wrote a book proposal, sent it around, and the publisher that ultimately went with the book said, well, this sounds interesting, but um, the editor that had read the proposal said, you know, I grew up um, near Duke University, and I know that they had this parapsychology laboratory, but I don't know what went on in there and why don't you go down there research that and and write about what they did and I thought oh my god what a great idea you know I'll, I'll, <laughs> I was thinking you know ghost stories and haunted houses hmm. and I mean that's a little bit far from te- that's a bit stre- that's a bit of a stretch from telepathy which is more scientific in a sense well exactly I get down yeah. there and I start going you know through the boxes all excited hmm. and it was mostly math uh, and I learned, you know, you know, how they got there. And when I learned what they were doing, it, it became utterly fascinating to me. But it, it wasn't this, you know, romantic world of, of ghosts and haunted houses that I thought it would be. But in a way, it was much more interesting. Um, they were they were just these scientists that, you know, started. They were interested in the question of life after death, and so because they were scientists, they wanted to see if they were any way any way of answering that question: Is there life after death? Was there any way of answering that question scientifically? And so they started by investigating mediums, and they investigated this medium named Marjorie. I don't know if you've ever heard of her, but she was working in Boston. You know, a long time ago in the 1920s, and actually, there's a very um, bit before my time. Yeah. Great, excuse me. A little bit before our time, 1920s. <laughs> <laughs> well, the great book just came out about her and Houdini because they oh, they okay. were locked in a, a battle. It was called the the Witch of Lime Street. Um, a wonderful book. So they started by investigating her, and 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 she uh, she may or may not have had abilities, but often in her demonstrations that it was just a setup. It was utter fraud. And so the demonstration that they saw was like that. They they figured out 
how she was tricking people on. It was just a mess. And so they wrote this very scathing write-up of her in, that was published in an academic journal, but it got picked up by all the newspapers and 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 overnight they became famous as debunkers. Mm. So a lot of people didn't like them. Arthur Conan Doyle, who was a champion of this medium, you know, denounced them publicly. But around the same time, this public public school administrator from Detroit, John Thomas, his wife had died, and so he had been contacting mediums as well. And he amassed hundreds of pages of results from his experiments, and he was looking for someone to study them. So to make a long story short, the Rhines were the people to study um, the results from these mediums. And what they found was very often that the mediums did have information um, that they would have no way of knowing. And this is pre-internet. So it's not like they could look it up. And, and right. a lot of the information that they had um, was information that even John Thomas didn't know. And it had to be researched to see whether or not it was correct. And and it was. Um, the problem was, from the, the from the Rhine's point of view, and I keep saying the Rhine's, the Rhine's were J.B. Ryan and his um, wife, Louisa, um, who started the Duke Parapsychology Lab. But this is actually pre-the lab. But anyway, so they thought, okay, so they have information um, that, as far as we know, there's no way that we can explain them having. But that doesn't mean they're getting it from the dead. Um, there's another possibility, and that is that they could be getting this information from the minds of the living. So we have to rule that out. And we rule that out um by finding out whether or not such a thing is possible. Um, is mental telepathy or extrasensory perception possible? So we are going to develop experiments for that. Now, John Thomas was n not happy with this turn of events. You know, He wanted to know if the mediums were real and genuine and was he communicating with his dead wife. And from the Ryan's point of view, and they tried to convince him of this, was... The issue is when we die, our body dies. There's just no question about that. So if we can prove that telepathy exists, that means that we have shown that there is something that operates independently of our physical body. So therefore, when our physical body dies, we have evidence that there's something that could possibly survive. So that's telepathy. an interesting take on it, yeah, but telepathy right. wouldn't. That, I mean, that's a, a couldn't it be also attributed to maybe like a mental trick, something that the mind does. We just are not aware of how it works, it's, and not so much uh, like you know yes. an afterlife. Not yes, so much like an afterlife still, type of thing. Still, again, extra physical. It's not may or may not be part of the body. It's still good. That that's another right. Open I mean, question. May, when when we're talking about telepathy, like for example, like telepathically speaking to somebody mentally, you know, uh, that could be some kind of a mental Bluetooth where we connect to somebody else, you know, and now we can talk to them and we just have no exactly. idea how it's done. But exactly. I mean, it doesn't have to be like an afterlife thing. Though. I mean, no, but it's just saying that there is something that operates independently of the body right. and therefore there's something that could survive the death mm. of the body. That's interesting. I like that. I love yep. that those scientists ask that question because I, yep. I, I often bemoan modern science is lacking imagination that, and that, that these researchers actually went there. Okay, you know, may not be the dead. It might be telepathy. I really – I almost appreciate that, that they actually looked into it. That's very interesting. It, 
it was very eye-opening to me because I had this very naive idea that scientists were very rational human mm-hmm. beings. And I'm not saying they're irrational, but when I went through the lab's letters, there were a lot of letters from scientists, and they were just, they were basically like children having temper tantrums. They were just raving at um, these Duke um, scientists, and and they were not reasonable. They were not rational. They were insulting, oh, cool. and 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 it, 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 I was I was actually shocked about it. And and so I, I studied their experiments. They designed these experiments. They're very simple. If you've seen Ghostbusters, their most famous exper- experiment mm-hmm. were these ESP cards that they designed. Yep. Yep. And could people, it was very simple, can people tell us what symbols uh, are on these cards without seeing them? And they refined experiments over the years. They, you know, first, you know, the experimenter and the subject were, you know, opposite each other. Um, then they put um, a barrier separating um, the two people. Then they had them go into different rooms. Then they had them go into different buildings. And eventually they did the experiments double blind, and people could still tell them to a certain degree what um, symbols were on these cards. So I, I wrote about hmm. a book about this. It almost sounds. It almost sounds like rem- it almost sounds like remote viewing. I, I mean. Would you attribute that? Well, to it is remote this? viewing is a more modern term, right, or take on it. Explanation for right. for the effects that they found. Okay. But but so ESP is one thing they did, and the main thing they did. But I was trying to think of things that might be more interesting to your audience. And one of the, their problems was um, they did these experiments over and over and over and over and over. They found evidence for ESP. But the the experiments weren't telling them anything about it. Like the, it wasn't helping them understand what was happening. And if they couldn't explain what was happening, they couldn't they couldn't enhance it for one thing. So they were always looking for new experiments. And what they did was that they had these thousands and thousands of letters from people all over America and the world. So they thought, let's start. Let's start studying these letters. Um, they thought perhaps you know something in these letters would suggest an experiment, and so they did. They they separated out the letters that sounded to them like people that were suffering from whatever, some sort of, you know schizophrenia or other mental disorders, and tried to pare it down to letters that from people that sounded reasonably sane. <laughs> and they did a 16-year <laughs> a study of 30,000 letters that they, they narrowed it down to. And they did find one interesting thing. They, they found that people heard ghosts more than they saw them. And uh, That's interesting. Uh-huh. It's very interesting because huh. the, what they wrote papers about it and what they said was, as far as we can tell, lots of people hear things because these mm. letters are coming from college students and housewives and, and, and bankers, you know, people from every spectrum of society. And people apparently hear things all the time. And she said something that now is has recently, like in the last decade or so, has become accepted. 
but at the time was very radical and ignored. But she said, I think people hear things a lot and it is not necessarily a sign of mental illness. And it could mm. be like a normal thing that happens. Like you're not crazy. Right. People hear things. Wow. So I thought it was interesting that this information came out like whatever, like 50, 75 years ago, and it was mm -hmm. ignored. And now people write papers about it as if they're saying something new, and they're not. Of course. <laughs> of course, of course, because just, you know, how That's the times change. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And the, the author of the paper also said that the 3% of the letters in their collection um, showed possible evidence um, for ghosts, except they didn't call them ghosts. They called them incorporeal personal agency. Mm. <laughs> wow, that's, that, that, that reminds me of metachlorians, and I just have nightmares. Yeah. <laughs> Getting too scientific with me about ghosts. Just too but I wonder why more hear it than see it. I, 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 get, I have a theory on that, actually. It just hit, it hit me as, as she was saying it. Um, it. I think it would have to do with you know memory. And uh, it's it might not be exactly that you're actually hearing a voice. Maybe it's like an echo in your mind that you're hearing. Because, you know, that happens to me every once in a while. Don't laugh. Don't laugh. But every once in a while, I kind of hear like, oh, head. And it's like my mother, because she screened my name so many times that every <laughs> once in a while, I just hear it in the back of my mind. And maybe it's just like an echo of, the, of a voice you heard a lot. You know, and that's what people hear. I mean, that seems plausible, I think. Yeah, that's one possibility, yeah. Did they have any hypothesis over at, at, at the, the Duke lab as, as to why people were hearing things? No, they're having straight conversations with inner voices. That's a completely different animal. Like, sorry no. to not be there. <laughs> they, were, they were doing a survey um, at that point, so they were just discussing what they found. They, they weren't trying to explain it. And, and they were actually, their goal was to, to come up with new experiments, um, mm. which they didn't come up with as a result. I mean, has, has there been any experiments in your research uh, that, really proves uh, there's an afterlife at all that in your mind that you could say I mean you already said you don't believe 100% in ghosts well uh, the, their, I, their telepathy experiments have yet to be explained I mean they found evidence for something but what exactly what it, yeah but what it is exactly yeah. excuse now, me my question is: Did they did they find any you know relation between the people who had telepathy? I mean, I'm assuming that they kind of just grabbed people from all walks of life, or did they have hmm. did they have some kind of control group for these? That's a good for these question. People? Yeah. It was almost exclusively college students, though they did try but randomly. Different well, volunteers, oh, okay. students. Yes. Their classes. They they were psychology professors at Duke University, which was a new university at the time. Just like in Ghostbusters. <laughs> well, one thing they did, um, they were very interested in poltergeists um, because their Ooh. theory was poltergeist was actually um, a, a, an expression of psychokinesis, which is instead of you know projecting thoughts with your mind, you're you're moving objects with your mind. Right. So they were they were dying to study a, a poltergeist, but poltergeist events are usually very short lived. And by the time they heard about them, they were long over. Why are you laughing? Do you know of a very long going mm. one? Mm. 
No. 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 Actually, we don't. We we recently just had some guests on the show that were talking about poltergeist. So I'm sinking in my chair, cowering, and you're talking about like it's the most fascinating thing ever. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> I mean, I have I have a small history in a home here that we lived in in Miami when we first moved here in the '80s that had what I would consider poltergeist activity because we saw things move. Uh, we saw chairs, you know, be being dragged. Uh, my brother got beat up one time at night, and it wasn't me doing it too. It was just crazy. And wow. uh, it, yeah, we we had all I kinds swear. of weird experiences, and we took off quick. I mean, we only we were only there for a few months, and we left. Then we found out, and ironically enough, uh, we, it made perfect sense why the neighbors were moving out as we were moving in. Um, it was a duplex home, and we found out later on that it used to be a funeral home in the '60s and '70s. Wow. <laughs> and um, when we moved in, it had just been remodeled into a duplex home and it was a huge house and a block away literally at the end of the same block was a church where the bodies would get prepared and then they would be taken to the funeral home for the funeral so that happened for 20-30 years in this part of of Miami and we moved into the funeral home part of it Um, let's just say it was very scary Uh, like like I said we had to move out immediately because of how weird things were i mean this is this is how cheap the folks who put this together was they didn't even replace the cabinets in the kitchen like they had the cabinets there were these huge marble cabinets (laughs) where you would put the urns in like you would open these huge cabinet doors and we were when we got in there we were like man these are some weird cabinets and my dad you know we were just fresh out of the boat of cuba so my dad was like well these americans man they're weird to do things completely different than us in cuba (laughs) they have everything bigger in america bigger cabinets bigger cars bigger people (laughs) everything's big in america so my dad fed into it he loved the place and then things started moving around. And at first, my dad, he didn't see anything, but my mother did. Uh, my mother freaked out a few times. She complained about things moving around. She would be making coffee, and the coffee thing would just explode after she just put it there. Like, the thing would just start bursting out of coffee, which she shouldn't be doing that. Uh, her keys would slide from one end of the table to the next, and I saw that a couple times. Now, as a kid, and being kind of a of a wacky kid as I was, uh, you know, I saw, you know, that happen a couple of times and I thought, well, maybe I'm just seeing things. I didn't really think anything of it until I felt presence in the room. And that's when it kind of creeped me out to the point that I was like, okay, uh, mom, dad, please let's move out of this place. Cause I felt how, how a presence. You? Oh, I was a five, six. I was very, very little. Very, Did very it little. seem like an angry or a oh, sad? Very angry. Very angry. Yeah. That would terrify me. Yeah, I mean, we 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 were there a few months and we bailed. Uh, it's funny because I, I actually I have a day job. I don't do just uh, radio, folks. My day job is about five minutes away from this house, which is really really creepy. I pass by it every day. That's too close. Now. That's way. Yeah, too it's close. too way too close. Like I feel like at one point it's going to start calling me back. Come back to me. <laughs> Resist. Resist. Like Andy ah, have you been tempted to ask the people who live there now if they've ever experienced anything? No, but actually I did drive by with my brother and I took pictures of the the house and a little video of me and my brother talking about it. It's somewhere on my computer. I'll post that one day. And I'll get his permission first because he doesn't like talking about it a whole lot. And um, I asked him, I was like, hey, you know that house? He was like, yeah, that's the house we used to live in. And he goes on about like, How old was your brother at the time? Um, Older mid-te- or younger? Yeah, no, he was uh, mid-teens, like early mid-teens. Um, he was a little, he's older than I am. He's uh, 52. So and he I'm probably has better memories. Oh no, he has vivid memories of stuff. A lot better. But he memories could have been—he could have been the poltergeist, because that's mm. the right age. 
I don't know. No, normally it's attributed to girls, and we covered it that is, last week. It is. Uh, it is. Girls who are starting their puberty stage are, are the ones that really attract negative entities and poltergeists, which us guys who uh, who know women we, it makes perfect sense, right, guys? <laughs> well, actually, Just saying. for the record, for the record, <laughs> according to the, excuse me, according to the, the 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 archives at Duke University, most of the poltergeists were um, centered around boys. Oh, sookie, sookie. That's the Aww. first time I've... I, I'll take Science. your word on it, but that's the first time I've heard of that. That's the first time. Science. <laughs> Please and tell will, us more about these Duke University lab letters. I, I, will go, I, will go, I will go back to an episode of Sightings uh, from the 90s uh, where they actually had a poltergeist in a family and they talked about that very scenario and they mentioned that mostly girls are the ones that really... Capture yeah. these entities. Uh, so I'm going back to an old show. This is much. I think it might be a bit of a wives' tale. Exactly. It I might be. This might be new data, and I might be completely wrong. Though. That's all I I'm saying. I think the movie The Entity we had uh, back uh, in the 80s, which was uh, a real kind of a, a popular movie, but I believe it was on kind of a a, um, a true story. And the what movie, was the movie and Barbara was so Hershey cool. was she was getting she was well Barbara Hershey was getting raped and and abused and all that by by a girl. By the way, who's crawling on the floor and, and making all that noise? Not me. Okay. Mm. Chris has a poltergeist. Chris, you got a poltergeist on your end? I don't know. It's Chris, yeah, maybe. maybe that's what you get for blaming all the girls. <laughs> yeah, you got a poltergeist. <laughs> what was the movie that was? I thought you were going to say the movie that was so haunted. Where the little girl turns around from the TV and says they're back. That's they're... called Poltergeist, the movie. That's Poltergeist. Poltergeist. Well, it was based on this case that they researched, actually. Oh, no oh. kidding. Is that, that Please based on this? tell us this story. Oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> well, it originally took place um, in Seaford, Long Island in 1958. And so I was starting to say they were always, you know, excited and looking for an active Poltergeist case. And they got uh, a, a call. Um, from a reporter, actually, I, th- I think I the original call was from a reporter. You know, saying there's this case going on and in on Long Island. Are you interested? And we're definitely interest- interested. So they called the family, and they said, "Would it be all right if we come and investigate this?" And the family's like, "You know, please come." They had actually called the police, and the police were investigating it. And I found the original police files, which were fascinating, and I can talk about those as well. But they went down, and the the the, the scientist, uh, Gaither Pratt, knocks on the door. They open the door, and they, they hear something in the basement. Nobody's in the basement, so they all run down. And while they're in the basement, they hear something um, falling upstairs. So, so the guy stayed. Um, and analyze 67 events in the house. And it's just like any other poltergeist, things, you know, falling off um, shelves, the walls, um, bottles uh, popping and their contents spilling all over the place, you know, things moving all around. And he concluded that 17 of the events um, couldn't be explained by normal means. But the fun thing for me was when I found these police files because – the family, you know, they didn't know what to do, so they called the police. And I can just imagine, like, the sergeant, you know, the desk sergeant <laughs> getting that call. Like, uh, yeah, so you want us to investigate what? <laughs> so they assigned this detective, and he actually, I forget how many pages it was, but it was like something like 75 pages of research where he just looked into everything. He contacted every expert he could, and he witnessed things himself, and he he described them, you know, in very dry, straightforward language, like, 
bottle of shampoo moved along Formica tabletop five inches in a westerly direction, that kind of thing. Mm, Wow. And unfortunately, he had died, but I tracked down his daughter, and I asked her, well, what did he think? Did he think it was a poltergeist? And, And she said... You know, my father, he was just, you know, very he, ex-Navy guy. just what you thought he would be like, you know, very straightforward. He didn't believe in any of this. But he told me one day when he was investigating, he was there, and he and the boy, who they thought was the center of it, um, were about to go into the basement, and he felt something hit the back of his legs, and it was this small statue of a horse, but there was nobody there. That could have thrown it. And so he just like for the rest of his life, she said he never knew where to put that. Hmm. And I, I, I tracked down um, the daughter and the, the boy who was now a grown man didn't want to talk to me, but she did. And she grew up to be a high school science teacher. And it was very interesting because she didn't believe in poltergeists or ghosts or anything either. But nonetheless, she said all these things happened she just thought, well, there's someday going to be an explanation for them. But, yes, all these things moved and, and everything else. So she's waiting for science to describe what happened. That's interesting. So that was in all the papers, and that's that at least was the inspiration for the movie. Um, another thing along these lines, um, I was going through the letters, and I came across this letter from 1949 from a priest. And I'm reading the letter, and and it sounds exactly like The Exorcist. Have you all? Oh my God, no. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. I was about, you know, it's funny. I don't want to interrupt you, but I was about to say that it's funny how a lot of these movies are inspired by true events, like The Exorcist. <clears throat> and you beat me. Well, to this it. is this is exactly that. The, the letter. I mean, it's just like The Exorcist, even down to like the projectile vomiting, except it wasn't wow. as dramatic wow. in, in in the letters. Yeah, the, the grits. The green pea soup or whatever it looked like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but the 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 kid would get in the bed. Oh, and in real life, it was a boy, <laughs> not a girl. <laughs> yep, correct. That's correct. Yeah, yeah, yep, true. Very true. But but it was the same exact thing. And and so the the priest wrote that the bed shook whenever the boy was in it, and tables overturned, chairs moved, even words appeared on the boy's body. Oh, my God. Um, so what was really interesting about the letter was, and there was a bunch of them, so that they were, this priest, um, he was not leaning towards um, demonic possession. You know, what he had witnessed just didn't have any signs of demonic possession. So he was trying to figure out what was happening, and so he thought perhaps it was a poltergeist. For him, that was the closest that could describe what he was witnessing and so or what he the family was telling him. And so he was writing the scientists at the Duke lab to see if they would be interested in investigating it. And they were like definitely uh, <laughs> unfortunately the family you know they were going through a horrible time and so they at this point they were not interested in anybody researching what was happening. They just wanted it to stop. So right. that's why they went to see Exorcist, and they took their son to Exorcist in St. Louis, and, and who wrote a diary, and that diary was the basis of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but this, this also hit the papers, and, and William Peter Blatty, who wrote the book, read the, those papers. He was a, a student in D.C. at the time. The, the events took place in Maryland, 
and he read all the, the these accounts, and that's what inspired his book. But anyway, the one funny thing that happened, or funny to me anyway, um, so so J.B. Ryan, the head of the lab, was writing this priest, and these letters are going back and forth, and I'm reading them, and at one point, J.B. asks the priest, did you ever witness any of these things yourself, or, or are you just relating to me what the family told you? And he said, yes, I did. One night, um, the the family asked if the son could spend uh, the night in in my house because he was <laughs> not getting sleep in hours because the bed was moving whenever he got into it. So so the boy came to his house and he said, but the same exact thing happened when he got into bed. Even in his house, the bed started shaking. So he got up out of the bed and sat in a, a big easy chair. And the priest said that as he stood there and watched the kid who in the easy chair, you know, he had his feet up. It slid back slowly against the wall and tipped over. And the police said that the chair had this very low center of gravity, and like even when he was like going back and forth with all his might, he couldn't tip it over, or it was very hard for him to tip it over. But then, so so the next letter from Ryan is it was just so funny. He said, "So you're telling me that as the boy was in the chair sliding back, you just stood there and watched? <laughs> you didn't help him?" And the poor priest had to admit, "Well." Yeah, <laughs> he's like, <laughs> what do you, you do? do? Right, right. He, he didn't seem in danger, so I I wanted to see what would happen. Now I'm really curious that everything that that poor child was going through got attributed to a poltergeist. Am I not understanding the definition of a poltergeist? I mean, they'll they'll write on you, like really, like words <laughs> on your body. Well, they ma- they manifest you know? themselves physically somehow, and that's one of their ways, right? Apparently. Well, first of all, this is 1949, so not much is known about poltergeist now. Very little was known Imagine then. then. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah. so he was just, like, grasping at straws, really, for an explanation. Because, again, he was saying nothing was was happening of a religious nature. Like, nobody was saying, I'm the devil, like it was in the movie. Okay, so it's just a lot of very, very fall, weird. Not, okay, so just weird things. So I was well, about to say, what was required for this yeah. priest to think this boy was possessed by something? Like the guy, I have to announce my name as a demon for you to to help me out. <laughs> like what? Like <laughs> that's crazy. Well, he was trying to help. Yeah, right. he, contacting this lab was trying to help. That's true. That is that's true. true. Yeah, that yeah. is true. He just didn't think that. That's interesting. Wow. Well, if you don't think it's you know, a demon or a devil than doing an exorcism. Right. Kind of, kind of pointless. Not, yeah. it, it, point. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. right. You'd call somebody like the Duke Parapsychology Lab. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I mean, back back then, I mean, they didn't know much about mental disorders also. I mean, could easily be some kind of just psychosis of the mind. True. Well, that's what some, oh God, I wish I could, I feel terrible because another writer wrote about this and, and that was his conclusion. Yeah. Which did uh, yeah, exactly. plausible to me. I mean, that, that, honestly, when you you know use Arkham's Razor, that's really like the the, the one thing that you're easily uh, you can easily attribute to these kind of activities is you know mental psychosis. Which back then there was very little knowledge. I mean, they were they were lobotomizing people back then for crying out loud. There was very very little knowledge on, on the condition of the mind and what some crazy people will go through and what their right. Lives and, and there's like, a so. uh, it's a known fact that if you were to be crucified. You would. They would have to put the nails in your wrist, 
in other so that you your right. hand wouldn't rip and you would fall off the crucifixion right. and when people do stigmata which they attribute to you know god god right. wouldn't make that mistake right. always the <laughs> blood comes out of the palm of the hand not the wrist just that's very true that's very true yeah it, it, but that could be uh well if it's a mental psychosis or a manifestation exactly. so mentally there it's just a mental mistake of the person itself True. Yep. I mean, so. but even that. I mean, okay. So assume that this person is just crazy. They're still somehow doing it. That to that right. They're still. So I that's mean, that's crazy still, part. That's a very powerful <laughs> mind you've got there. Like, okay. Of course. So it's not ghosts, but it's still a form of ESP because Definitely. you're doing this. Mm-hmm. Right. You know? Right. Right. Yeah. Um, that's that. At the end of the day, that's the incredible part, isn't it? Yeah. Well. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Incredible. Sad. Scary. I agree. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you, have you uh, all seen the movie uh, with Drew Barrymore, um, Firestarter? Yes, uh, yes. Great, great movie. I love the movie. Right. Um, I, that's something I, I believe that's very plausible. Somebody could have that kind of a skill. And it's funny we see movies like that, and we see now more movies like with the X Men and mutants and people with abilities and stuff. We're almost kind of conditioning ourselves to believe that maybe we can be. Uh, a little bit, a, a little bit extra than what we are ordinarily, um, but that movie kind of is in line with what we're talking about here tonight. Firestarter, right? Well, Stacy, did you did you read any? Was there anything of that nature? Like that? Anybody able to start a fire or anything cool like that? I came across not one single reference to people starting fires. That's no. sad. Well, that is sad. Yeah. <laughs> no fire. Well, that would be pretty cool. I love that show, Naked and Afraid. And if there's anybody out there that can do that, they need to get them on because I tell you what, they're the ones they're looking for. Naked and Afraid? Naked and Afraid. They're always out there trying to figure out how to start those fires. And if you could get somebody out there and knew how to just do it, boom. I feel like Got to get Drew Barrymore on the, on the line there. There she you go. Know. She would know. There you go. <laughs> well, Stacy, tell us about some of the letters that you wrote that you read that were very this kind of that you liked that were maybe that are featured in the book or that really just popped out to you that makes you question that maybe there might be a little bit to the things that you're researching. Well, the, I, the telepathy experiments were convincing to me. Um, I found that their experiments were properly conducted and, and the results, therefore, still have to be explained. Most of what I found. I don't know. A lot of it was sad. Um, uh, you know, I'm sorry. I always go back to the letters, but um, in the 60s, they started getting letters um, from this guy whose son went missing. Um, I think it was 1963. Uh, oh, that's a, sad. Oh, it was very sad. And the the Rhines um, had mixed feelings about psychics. Um, it's not that they didn't think that psychics had abilities. They felt some of them did. But um, they weren't able to control them as far as they could tell. And they didn't think that psychics were useful in this way because there was no way of verifying if the information they got was valid, even if it actually was. Right. So they just didn't right. think it was useful. But this guy kept writing, and Ryan was a father himself, and he didn't want to take away this man's last hope. So he gave them the name of three psychics he knew, and then he just said, don't give them money beyond their expenses. He was just trying to minimize any kind of possible trouble right. or whatever, fraud. Or so the guy contacted two of the psychics, and I wrote about this in my book, but one of them was a man named Peter Herkos, and one of them was a man named Harold Sherman. 
And Peter Herkos told them that their boy had been picked up by a childless couple who always wanted a son, and they took him and they brought him to a farm in Oregon where they were taking very good care of him. Harold Sherman said, and he contacted Ryan first because he said, I got a a vision, but in my vision, um, his son was picked up by a man who murdered him. Oh, God. That's so... He said, I don't... I don't want to write the family and tell them that. I mean, who wants to tell them that? And Seriously. So yeah. he wrote this this actually very lovely, compassionate letter to the father saying, I'm, I'm going to tell you something that you're not going to want to hear, but let me tell you first that not all my visions are correct. I'm going to tell you what I saw, but it may be completely false and wrong. I don't know. And then he wrote this this other lovely part where he said, even if it is true and your son is dead, he gave him the visions he had of heaven, which were lovely. And it was just like his way of trying to comfort him. Right. So he told the father, you know, not in any detail um, that uh, this man had picked up his son and and killed him. And he described where. And he also worked with the police, and he wrote descriptions, but to them in more detail, and to J.B. Ryan of what he saw and descriptions of the man. So here's the good part. So I I write all this up, and the book I had written before that was about the NYPD's cold case squad. So I had some sense of how detectives work with cases and, and missing persons cases. So I called the missing persons department in Los Angeles um, just to find out where the case was left so I could put that in the book, how it all ended with this man and his son. And I figured that what they were going to tell me was um, after, you know, so so many months, we ran, you know, followed all our leads, the case went cold, and we don't know whatever happened to the son. So the detective said, sure, I'll look at the case and tell you what would happen. And then she comes back on the phone, and she's all excited, and she said, the cold case unit has the case. And I almost screamed because I cold case squads, they only pick up cases because there's thousands of them. They only pick up cases that they think they can solve. So if they took this case and a case from the 60s, they had to have some really compelling evidence, something, a lead. So I called the cold case squad and I spoke to the detective and I said, please, please, can you talk to me and I explained why. And she said, well, I will talk to you, but I can't talk to you now. I can talk to you in a few months. And so one of the things I did was I had the descriptions that the two psychics had given me of what they saw. And I said, would you please look at – oh, I also posted this on my blog. I have a blog, and I posted like the day after I spoke to the cold case squad. I said, oh, my God, oh, my God, I'm researching this thing, and and the cold case squad is looking into this old missing persons case from Los Angeles, and I got emailed the very next day from another writer, Weston DeWalt, and he said that cold case detective um, got the evidence from me, and it turns out he had been researching another boy that went missing in the same area roughly oh, at my. The same. and he uncovered like all this stuff and it turns out there was a child serial killer oh, working God. in that area that was connected to the boy that he was researching and the one that I was researching and he came across some evidence which he turned over to the detectives and they reopened the case and so that's what she was working on 
So I asked both Weston DeWalt and the detective if they would look at these two descriptions and tell me if either of the psychics got it right. And they told me Peter Hergos, the one that said mm-hmm. he would have been taken by a family, nothing. But Harold Sherman, the other man, she said, yeah, he got a lot. And she wouldn't give me specifics, but she said, well, yeah. Well, so, oh, But wow. the thing is, after the book came out, I did find out um, the the specifics. Um, he, I, I knew what he said. He said that... Um, the man that um, took uh, Bruce Kremen was, he said, I, he looks Mexican to me, but he's he's got somewhat dark skin, like like a tanned person, perhaps. And I, I, I don't remember all, but all I remember is that he, she said he had khaki pants on and a black and red checkered shirt. And in the detective's notes um, from the 60s, one of the people that saw Bruce Kremen walking away, it was from a campsite, was holding the hand of a man with khaki pants and a black and red checkered shirt. Wow. And that's what the detective was saying. Wow. Yeah, he got that. Wow. 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 Yeah. <clears throat> that's sad. Well. sad yeah. Sad wow. <laughs> Definitely a sad um, wow. It's very sad. It's very yeah. sad. Um, I have a I have a quest, quick question for Stacy from left field. Stacy, I'm I'm trying you know I'm trying to do my homework penance and find the real Stacy Horn. <clears throat> Are you the Stacy Horn who started Echo? Yes. And why? My goodness, she got one right. All right. Yes, Stacy. <laughs> Stacy, my daughter is Binky. And oh my God, I remember Binky. <laughs> yeah. Small world, huh? Yes. Maybe I just talked to her on Facebook, but she's still around. Oh, yeah. Of course she's still around. (laughs) But I I mean, she's still around. In a physical way, in in many ways, yeah. I think so. But, you know, uh, back in the day, back, say, 90. Yeah, she's still on Echo. Yes. She just doesn't post a lot. Yes, she doesn't. But she lives in in Oregon now. But um, I try. Oh, my God. That's so funny. I know because in ninety three ninety four I I was desperately trying to learn Unix so I could communicate with my daughter on <laughs> NYC and so I never really got it one hundred percent and I really kind of wish I could go back in time and learn faster but if anybody understands this uh, Echo NYC um, my daughter gave me a black shirt that says and now dot 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 oh right? oh my God this is so Funny, I can't get over this. I know, I know, and I'm so happy when I saw your name. Of course, Stacy Horn, you are Stacy Horn is a goddess. It, okay. No, 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 no. Thank <clears> you. No, seriously. When it comes to the internet, seriously, um, you just kind of. I would. I would. Um, well, toot Stacy's horn. I know. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you've ever yeah, heard like of that, huh? if you've ever heard of the well. Good job, Chris. The well See, is what like inspired that. me. Exactly. The well is the West Coast, but Echo NYC was the East Coast version of the well. And if you wanted to find the smartest people on the planet, you would simply plug into that. And my goodness. And then just step back and, you know, I would visit my daughter. We would be having mother-daughter fights and she would still have Echo and she'd still have the um, forums up and stuff and she'd be punning while we'd be having this horrible fight about, oh, you don't understand, whatever. She could do two things 
that. She loved that blog. She's a multitasker. Yeah. Very much so. Very oh, it's so nice to kind of meet you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I and 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 I lied. I didn't keep myself muted. I was going to try to stay muted, uh, but I just found, <laughs> found this out. And I'm losing my voice. So a goddess. I'm telling you guys, you guys, Crystal, you should um, stay friends with Stacy as long as you can. She is a goddess. Mm, no, but thank you very much. That's nice yes. of you to say. Can I pick them or can I pick them, guys? Okay. For real. <laughs> <laughs> keep who, keep uh, tooting uh, Stacy's horn. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Another good pun, Chris. Good job, buddy. <laughs> two for two. Woo. Woo-hoo. There you go. Stacy, uh, now that now that, please tell everybody um, where they can find your book, where they can find the real you um, on the internet, and all that good stuff. Well, my books, you can just basically get wherever you buy books online, um, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Powell's, any indie place. And, and my, web, my blog is, is just stacyhorn.com. Perfect. Now, are you going to be talking at any uh, conferences or anything like that in the near future? Anything at all? Uh, no, <laughs> I'm working on a book now about Blackwell's Island, which is another horror story, but it's real world horror from the 19th century. Oh, creepy! Ooh. Oh, it's so what, sad. What, is, what, is it, what is it about? This is, this is an island in the East River. It's now called Roosevelt Island, but in the 19th century, it was Blackwell's Island, and the city owned it, and it's basically where they put everyone that they didn't want to deal with. So they had a lunatic asylum. A couple of penal institutions. Sounds um, like South Florida. <laughs> oh, it was horrible. It was horrible. It's like True everything story. I'm finding out is just, just, just terrible things that they did to people and terrible ways that they treated people. It's like if you were poor or, or mentally disturbed or having any kind of problem in New York, they sent you there and, mm. and did terrible things to you. Again, wow. it's, also, it's exactly like South Florida. New York. <laughs> oh, and a lot of mediums were sent to prison. Oh, now, my God. Speaking of mediums, uh, before we Ooh. go, because we're a little short on time, but quick question. Um, what are your thoughts on, uh, like, Sylvia Brown and folks like her? I really don't know them, have not looked into what they do. So anything that I would say, I can't speak about them specifically, but I base everything on these two people Peter Herkos and, and Harold Sherman. Either you're a Peter Herkos type of psychic and you're taking mm. advantage of people, or you're Harold Sherman and you're trying to help and heal. Gotcha. Which, uh, you know, it's funny because the story you, you talked about earlier with the two uh, guys had different stories reminded me of an episode of Montel Williams with uh, Sylvia Brown on it. And mm-hmm. uh, she had told uh, a couple in the audience that their uh, kid was dead, um, kind of gave a description of how it passed, the, the the child passed and everything, and uh, then it turned out that this person wasn't dead at all. Now it wasn't a child; it was actually already, you know, teenager. But um, they were, you know, they're still their kids, so they they would talk about him like it was a child. And uh, Sylvia Brown was like, "Oh yes, the, the child is dead, dead. Oh, they, they, they died over here." And what it, a horrible thing to tell well, people! Well, yeah, like, I, you really my mom don't know. really loved that Sylvia Brown. She watched that gal on on that I don't know whatever Montel Williams. All the yeah. time, and you know, I seen her, and I'd sit there with her. I remember watching her saying, "2016, <laughs> the aliens are gonna come back." <laughs> you know, she sounds like she's whacking on her ciggy, but anyway, yeah, she actually was you know, for a long time. I'm sure. 
Yeah. Well, Peter Harkos was the same way. Like he, he's like, oh, I'm going to solve this in six days. I forget what it was, but it was always like this one set time. I'm going to solve it in six days. And then he would talk about all these cases that he solved. And I went through and researched the ones that I could one by one, and, and he hadn't solved any of them. They were all still cold cases. That's crazy. Stacy. Uh, one hour is not nearly enough time. Uh, you've been absolutely fascinating. Thank you so much for being here with us tonight. Thank you so much. I had a great time. I appreciate being invited. I actually had a fabulous time talking about this stuff. And th- usually these subjects creep me out, to be honest with you. You know, uh, afterlife ghosts, that's not my bag. But it was uh, <laughs> a, it was great having you on. It was a fascinating uh, topic. Thank you, Stacy. <laughs> I really had a great time. Good night, everybody. We'll be back next week with Mr. E. Take care, everybody. Good night.